Welcome to the 51st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions, a deep dive into every NBA playoff series, and an important content announcement from Patrick. Let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. We will start in the NBA where in Game 3 of the playoffs, the 76ers played the Hawks with the 76ers winning 127-111 in Eastern Conference semifinal action, with Patrick correctly picking the 76ers. Moving to Western Conference semifinal action, Game 3 of the Suns-Nuggets series, the Suns won 116-102. Patrick incorrectly picked the Nuggets to win that game. Staying in the West semifinals, in Game 3 of the Jazz Clippers series, The Clippers won 132-106 to stop from going down 3-0, and Patrick incorrectly picked the Jazz to go up 3-0 in that series. And finally, back in the Eastern Conference semifinals, in Game 4 of the Nets-Bucks series, the Bucks won 107-96 with Patrick incorrectly picking the Nets. So Patrick went 1-3 in the NBA playoff predictions this weekend. In Major League Baseball, Patrick did his usual better. He correctly picked the Mets, over the Padres, so that's a little bit of a, an upset pick there. To Mets to take two of three games. Uh, the Cubs swept the Cardinals. Patrick correctly picked the Cubs in that series. The Indians took two of three from the Mariners, with Patrick correctly picking the Indians. And the Marlins took two of three from the slumping Braves, with Patrick incorrectly picking the Braves, meaning Patrick went 3-1 and one in his Major League Baseball predictions, making Patrick 4-4 four and four overall in this weekend's predictions, bringing him to 135-96 and 96 overall, a 584 winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your predictions? In the NBA, yeah, those were some uh, very pivotal games. I mean, a game four, a little less so, but the game threes are normally very, very important. You either have a series tied, uh, and the team who wins game three wins, I think, somewhere near 80% of the time is the stat. Uh, and then if you're down 2-0, you're not winning when you're down 3-0. So if you lose game three, it's pretty much over for you. Um, I thought that would be the situation which is why I picked the way I did uh, the Hawks. I thought the Sixers were going to win the series, and if there's an 80% chance to win the series after winning Game 3 in a tie, then I'm going to pick the team who I think is going to win the series to win that Game 3, which was the only one that I got correct. I really thought that the Nuggets would bounce back in their first game at home. Uh, Jokic's MVP presentation was coming that night, so it just felt like so it felt like they'd get enough energy and they'd be able to take a win Uh over Phoenix, but they did not uh, in that game. And then in the two matchups with the one seeds, I thought the one seeds would would uh, would extend their leads. The Jazz going up 3-0, and then the Nets go uh, going to 3-1 after the Bucks had scored 86 points in two straight games, and still and still went one and one in those two games. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about those individual games because we're going to get into that later. But overall, I was pretty much picking for bounce backs and who and, and tone settings. And really, I mean, look, when you when you look at it, I thought the Suns-Nuggets series was going to be a close one. And obviously, as soon as the Suns win Game 3, it feels like the series is over. And then it was over the next game. So that kind of just proves what I was saying about that whole I'm picking for a bounce back thing. Maybe picking with some hopeful thinking that it gets more interesting. Um, and in the MLB, I definitely picked with hopeful thinking because I don't want the Padres to win the Dodger to win the division over the Dodgers. So anytime the Mets play the Padres, I'm picking the Mets. Um, I think they actually don't play any more times for the rest of the season, though, considering that they played four games last weekend too. Uh, and again, I would have picked I would have picked the Mets actually to win last weekend, but 
That was a four-game series, and it ended up tying, which is the inevitability of every single four-game series between two good teams, which is why I never picked them, because I don't want ties in my predictions record. Um, but instead, you get this weekend where you get another DeGrom start against the Mets, uh, or against the Padres. DeGrom obviously is not starting against the Mets. But, uh, yeah, I thought, hey, can the Mets win a DeGrom start and one other start out of two games? Definitely. So DeGrom started. They won DeGrom's game. And as soon as that was over, I felt like the Mets had it locked up, and then they won the next game. And they did lose the third game of the series, uh, uh, but still doesn't matter because they won the overall series. And DeGrom on the season has more uh, runs batted in as a pitcher than he has earned runs allowed. That's a story for a different podcast. Uh, but the Cubs, That's one yeah. of the more incredible stats that you'll ever hear. Yes. Uh, the Cubs sweeping the Cardinals. Okay, I, I knew the Cardinals weren't going to win this series, but I did not think the Cubs were going to sweep them. Uh, it was I was really, really surprised when I, when I uh, was watching the third game of the series. I was like, okay, the Cardinals will probably take the last one of the series and go away with it. And they, they didn't. Um, <laughs> they just did not play very well against the Cubs this entire weekend, and they lost because of it. Uh, the Indians had a weird series where they did what I thought the Mets would do, or they did the opposite of what I had the Mets doing. They had their Cy Young pitcher, Shane Bieber, on the mound, and the only game they lost against the Mariners was the game that Bieber started, uh, which is really, really weird. But they did still win two out of three, so they would probably tell you who cares. We don't need a sweep. Uh, and then in the Marlins-Braves series, I really thought the Braves would have some bounce back in them. I uh, had a good weekend series against the Dodgers last weekend. I thought they might be able to repeat that performance against a much worse team. Uh, but they just didn't. Their offense really didn't show up at all this weekend, and they lost two of the three games. Okay, well, Patrick's predictions for next weekend will be posted on our website, 4thand24.com, on Thursday. Let's now move on and turn our attention to the NBA playoffs, starting with the Eastern Conference semifinals, and then after that, we'll move on to the conference semifinals in the West. So, Patrick, why don't you start us off in the Eastern Conference semifinals? Yep, we have the 76ers against the Hawks. Uh, I don't know if it's just me or... Even as we record this right now, this there's another game in the series on. Is it just me, or are the, or, are, are the Hawks always on while we record? I feel like this has happened five or six times so far in the playoffs. Is that just me? Yeah, well, and we also record sometimes on different days and different times. So, yes, it does seem like they're always on. Whether it's the Friday one or the, or the Monday one, it just always feels like they're on. Or maybe we record early on a Sunday, and then it ends up happening that they're playing on the Sunday instead. Yep. Uh, that's a little sidebar, but I just had to mention that because I feel like they were they. I feel like game one of the series was during, or game two of the series was during the podcast when we were doing it. Uh, but yeah, in game two, we we talked about game one last week. But in game two, Philadelphia won one eighteen to one hundred two. Joel Embiid had forty points in this game. Uh, Philly played really well to bounce back. In Game 3, Philly won 127-111, uh, which gave them a 2-1 series lead as Joel Embiid had 27-9-8, and eight, a pretty good stat line. Uh, and Atlanta only shot 26% from the three-point line, pretty much the reason they lost that game. But yeah, overall, I think Philadelphia has taken control of the series. This game is really close as we speak, and there will probably be a result by the end of our, our recording. Maybe not, actually. It could, it could drag on for a little bit. But uh, it, it looks like Philly's going to win this series, I, I want to say. But I don't want to jinx them because I feel like Atlanta's now going to go on a 20-0 run right after I say that as, I'm, as we're talking about it. But because that just always seems to happen whenever you say that somebody's wrapped up a game or a series. Um, 
But yeah, I think Philly's just got. I, I think Philly's got this one locked up. I don't feel like it's gonna end in five games, but I think it could. Uh, I could. I think it could end in seven also, but I think it could end in six. I, I think it could end in any number of outcomes, except for I think the only uh, the only team winning will be Philadelphia. Well, yeah, and, and we we went into this series with the uncertainty about Joel Embiid, and so since that's been removed, I think. That uh, validates your thoughts on who's eventually going to win this series. Just a matter of how many games. Uh, let's talk about the other series in the East. In the other series, uh, in Game 2, we had Brooklyn winning 125-86 to over the Milwaukee Bucks. In Game 3, as I mentioned earlier, Milwaukee scored 86 again, but this time they won the game, uh, which is surprising considering that they were playing the Brooklyn Nets, who are a very potent offensive team. Uh, they won that game 86-83. to and then in Game 4, Milwaukee won 107-96. to 96. Uh, And really, this series is just the proof that you're only, you, go, you go only as far, especially this year, as your non-injured players will take you. Um, James Harden has been out the entire series. And look, they took a 2-0 lead. They didn't, it, it seems like they didn't need him. Uh, in Game 3, they, the Nets, all of them kind of had a, a pretty off game. I think Joe Harris went 1-for-11 one, one from the field. Uh, Kevin Durant had Kevin Durant did score 30 points, but on 11 of 28 shooting, and yeah, Joe Harris was one for 11, and he fouled out uh, after playing 36 minutes. Kyrie was only nine for 22, so not very efficient for Kyrie or KD. And in the end, you have a very very low scoring uh, win for Milwaukee, where Giannis really steps up and uh, brings them over with 33 and 14. Uh, and Chris Middleton scores 33 and also gets 15 rebounds, or th- scores 35 and grabs 15 rebounds. So overall, you had some pretty good uh, performances by Giannis and Chris Middleton, although, let's be honest, the rest of the team didn't do much considering that they scored 68 of 86 points. Uh, but this was a really weird game. I mean, look, Milwaukee was up 30-11 to 11 after the first quarter, and then Brooklyn outscored them 31-15 to 15 in the second to make it close again at the half. And then overall, you have Milwaukee winning in a very, 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 very low-scoring game. But uh, I think Milwaukee will tell you, look, we scored 86 twice against the best offensive team in, in the league, pretty much, and we ended up pulling out a win out of it. Uh, and really everybody said Milwaukee's going to score 86 again like they did in Game 2. They're going to get killed, and, well, they didn't. Uh, They somehow won it again, and then everybody said, well, now after Brooklyn scores 83, their offense is going to come alive in Game 4, but then Kyrie Irving got injured in the middle of this game, and now it's really just the Kevin Durant show. Uh, It's very, very hard to win uh, without, without... I mean, you design a team around three stars and just put role players around them, and then two of them are missing. It's going to be very hard to win uh, without two of those players. Although, if they if they had to pick a last guy standing, I think that I think the whole basketball world agrees Kevin Durant would be the pick, the obvious pick over Kyrie or James Harden. Uh, but no, no, no offense to them, but he is he has been uh, he was the guy in OKC for a while himself. Um, along with Russ still, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, Kyrie leaves after 17 minutes with 11 points and 5 assists, and Kevin Durant shoots 9 of 25 from the field, another inefficient night for him. Uh, but I would blame that more on the fact that they didn't really know how to operate without Kyrie, their floor general. Now they have both floor generals down because James Harden's already out. 
So they kind of looked lost out there a little bit uh, on offense in the second half. And in the end, you have Milwaukee winning 107-96. But I think the future of this series is more important. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts on what's happened so far? Well, it's always tough to deal with an injury in the middle of a game. So I think it'll be key to see how uh, Brooklyn comes out in Game 5 at home and comes up with a game plan that means that they don't just have to on the fly say, oops, we got an injury and we're relying on, on Kevin Durant solely. I think they'll they'll be a little, hopefully, they'll be a little more fluid and, and efficient on offense now that they have time to prepare for life without Kyrie. I, I think they will. I, I agree with you on that. I think that they will be. But I think one of the most interesting things about it to me is just that Kevin Durant shot inefficiently with Kyrie on the floor and with him off the floor. So the question is, was he going? Was he trending in the right direction? And then, and then uh, Milwaukee didn't have to pay any attention to anybody else after Kyrie got injured, or is he just going to keep shooting poorly? Because if he's shooting this inefficiently and he's the only one out of those three on the floor, uh, they're not winning the series. And I think everybody knows that. And I think something that might contribute to that is Milwaukee might get a good feeling about the series, and they might get motivated of guys, let's close this out before they come back well, because. The, uh, the reports from all, all the very, very knowledgeable NBA reporters, which I'm not blessed with their sources, but I will go secondarily through them. Uh, Woj has said multiple times that uh, James Harden is actually close to closer to coming back than Kyrie Irving is, um, which is very, very interesting. And Kyrie was ruled out at the beginning of the day today, and then James Harden was ruled out uh, a little bit later for Game 5. So it definitely seems like Harden is closer because normally if you rule a guy out that that early, the one who gets ruled out earlier, it, it's obvious that they're going to be out and you know why. I assume they probably ran an MRI on Kyrie and figured out what it was. Maybe not, but I, I think if they get James Harden back, maybe they can salvage a game six on the road or salvage game six on the road and then kind of just scrap it out in game seven and hope that they can win. Um We'll have to see what happens in that because I really don't know what will happen. But do you have any thoughts on them returning, them not coming back? I mean, Brooklyn needs to win Game Five, or I think the series is over. That's I, I, pretty simple. Well, I, you see, I don't know about that. I th I feel the same way that I did about the Lakers uh, Sun series before, where if you get where if you get Anthony Davis back, oh, it um, just changes. If things you get drastically. him back in Game Six, you're you're going to be able to to win that game, but you just can't win without him in Game 5. But then the problem was he only played a minute in that Game 6. I'm saying that because they'd head back to a raucous Milwaukee arena uh, where the where they have a sense of urgency. They're not going to want a Game 7, and they have the confidence. It's kind of like that first game in the Miami series where we said maybe this is a turning point. They got that monkey off their back, and, and then they just wiped Miami out after that, after winning that close game. I, I think that... I think that Brooklyn needs to win Game 5 or the series is over. I also think it's very reminiscent. Um, and I wish and I, I could. Can I go back and change my pick now? You didn't, <laughs> I, didn't get to, I still no. have a mulligan on that. I didn't get to change anything last last time. So Well, no. you, you, chose to, you chose to change the, number of the games, overall number of games. Which I was right about. Well, but you still weren't right about it because I didn't you say only allowed Phoenix to go to 5. And, okay, we'll and see. And take it to 5. We'll see. We'll see. So we'll get um, there. We'll get there. We'll not, it's, not, it's not done yet, but we'll get but, there. Uh, well, that Phoenix series. Is oh, it over, is over. But, yeah, it is over. Um, That's right. But, no, but I just got to say, it does remind me actually a lot. Uh, this is a few years ago now, I guess. I think, I think it's two years ago now, yeah. Um, that 
Toronto was down 2-0 against Milwaukee and came back home and beat Milwaukee and then brought the series all the way back without losing another game in the rest of the series from down 2-0. They won the series in six games after being down 2-0. I don't remember if there was any... I don't think there was uh, any significant injury that that uh, stopped Milwaukee. But look, that, that kind of a thing can happen. You're right about that momentum. And I think... While ga- I, I think Game 5 is very, very important for the Nets to shift that momentum back in their favor. But I'm just saying, I think they can win the series without winning Game 5. Because I think that if you get those guys back from injury... Because, hey, they could even get both of them back at the same time. Yeah. Um, and if they got both of them back at, at the same time in Game 6, I don't care where they're playing. That team should win the game. No matter who they're playing or where they're playing. That's true. So that that's why I think they still have a chance. But I will say... It makes for a very interesting conversation because we were talking about Lakers-Nets all the way back in February, and all of a sudden we know that it can't be Lakers-Nets because the Lakers are out, and now we know that the Nets, really, they're in a struggle. This is not a cakewalk for them. They're going to have to struggle to make it to the finals. And by the way, this is just the semifinals. They still have to go through the winner of Philly versus Atlanta. Well, I don't know if we were both talking about Lakers Nets. I, 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 I mean, I was talking. I'm about... saying we, as in the collective basketball. World oh, okay. Because we were wondering what the heck finals. was going on with the Nets for a while there. But the other thing we have been talking about consistently that is related to this and the NBA, and again, this might be a deeper topic we explore, is the magnitude of the injuries and their impact on the NBA playoffs this year, in, in both in terms of number and the key players getting hurt in the playoffs, and then right before the playoffs. Well, I will say the one thing that, that is odd with Brooklyn is they were they, they might have been actually the first team out of the bubble uh, last year that, that made the playoffs, and Kyrie did not go into the bubble ever. So hmm. that is something that, true. that is uh, – that, that has not – I would say you can't say it's related with them. Because but Harden, Harden, Harden played later. He Harden played later, and he started later. the season out of shape too. Yes, that too. He was looking like me out there. That that that's true. Harden was Harden had some interesting uh, physique to him at the beginning of the season. Although at the same time, going into the bubble, he seemed to have improved his physique a lot. So it, it's really odd. Um, I I agree that the Harden injury might be linked, but I just had to point out that Kyrie thing because. I might actually be wrong that he wasn't in the bubble at all, but he definitely did not play in the bubble, and he was never supposed to. Yep. So, yeah, but moving on to the West, uh, we have the Jazz against the Clippers. Uh, this series has happened entire. Actually, both the series in the West have did not start before we recorded uh, last weekend, so we're talking about these series completely fresh in our minds um, from the start to wherever they are now. So Utah leads 2-1 after winning game 1, 112-109. Utah won game 2, 117-111. And then the Clippers won game 3 at home, 132-106 to bounce back. I get to talk about this first game. The Clippers should be up 2-1 in this series. And here's why. The Jazz missed 21 straight shots in the first quarter of game 1. The Clippers went on a 22-2 run in that span, but then Jordan Clarkson hit a three, and all of a sudden, the game was 22-15 by the end of the, right at the end of the run. They needed to be up more than seven by the, by the time that the run-stopping shot was made by the Jazz. And by the way, there were two free throws made, which is why they still scored points even without uh, making any shots from the field. And then in the end, the Jazz take a commanding lead 
and almost and and they had so much they had such a big lead that they actually had enough to kind of squander the lead a little bit and left it close at the end and left the door open and they still won. Uh, the Clippers had way too many opportunities in Game One to beat the Jazz and look the reason why that's important. How many games did the Jazz lose at home this year? Two, three. It, it's almost impossible to beat the Jazz at home. Yeah, they they went thirty-one and five at home and lost the first two games at home this year. So after the first two games, they were thirty-one and three at home. You're not going to get a win from the Jazz on the road. So if you get that opportunity in Game One, which the Clippers had, you have to seize that opportunity. Yes. They didn't, and now they're back at home. And look. The Jazz could win game four. The Clippers could win game four. I don't really know what's going to happen in that game. I'm thankful I don't have to predict it because I already got the other one wrong and I have no idea who's going to win game four. Uh, even if the Clippers win it, though, well, I'll say this. If the Clippers don't win it, this series probably ends in five at Utah uh, in game five. If the Clippers do find a way to win game four, then seven games. I would say exactly. I would say they Utah wins in seven games at home. Uh, so I, I really don't. I, I don't see the Clippers winning the series. I feel like it's one of those things where they had their opportunity that would have changed things, and they just didn't capitalize. Yeah, I wasn't saying I wasn't saying that the Jazz for sure would win in seven games. That happens. I was saying it goes to seven. If the Clippers win tonight, I think the series goes seven games. I don't know who wins, but I think it goes the distance if that happens. Let's uh, move off of that series and go to the Phoenix-Denver series where we know what happens. Yeah, I think this is a first. This is actually maybe Milwaukee did this, but... This series ended, it started and ended entirely within the span of a week, um, in the span of us recording these two podcasts. There was no recap of Game 1 in this series on the last podcast, unlike with the Jazz, uh, which technically the Jazz could end this series tonight, but that would mean Game 4, and it still hasn't happened yet, so we're still before it. Whereas Phoenix, they won Game 1, Game 2, Game 3, and Game 4, swept Denver, all without us talking about it at all. Uh, which is very interesting because uh, we haven't really done any series recaps necessarily. We talked about it in the context of our predictions. Yes, we did. That is true. Um, and then we talked, to, yes, in, in, the context of, in the context of the predictions. But, uh, yeah, and then you changed your pick to five games, which wasn't even enough for Phoenix because... Better than your pick. Very, very true, but I eventually changed that. Um, and look, hey, Phoenix, Phoenix just absolutely destroyed Denver. Um, they won game one, 122 to 105. They won game two, 123 to 98. Coach Michael Malone of the Nuggets was talking about how he thought his team gave up in the first two, in the, in the second half of the first two games, uh, in both of those second halves. Uh, then in game three, Phoenix won 116-102. And I'm not going to lie, after game three, I, I, I felt like it was going to be a sweep. Um, I felt really, really bad about the Nuggets' chances in this series. And then it got even worse with about three and a half minutes left in the third quarter of Game 4. Nikola Jokic uh, slapped at uh, Cameron Payne and was called for a flagrant two and ejected from the game. Yes, the league MVP was ejected in an elimination game for his team. On his home court. In the third quarter, on his home court. Yes, that actually happened. Do I agree with the call? No. Do I agree that it was a flagrant? Yes. Was it a flagrant too? Probably not. Uh, I think when you compare it to something even that Devin Booker did uh, against Dennis Schroeder, if what Devin Booker did, which if nobody remembers, it was uh, Dennis Schroeder went up for a layup with like two minutes left in the game when the Lakers were already up 15 in L.A., 
Um, and by the way, the situation does matter. We, we, we can say that, that officials should just go off of the book and do it and, and officiate the same everywhere. But we all know that in the end, the emotion does play into it a little bit because it's only human nature. Um, but he shoved Dennis Schroeder straight out of the air, down yep. 17 at the end of a game. And yes, they gave him a flagrant two, but if that doesn't warrant a suspension, then this doesn't warrant a flagrant two. Uh, he could have really injured Dennis Schroeder, and frankly, if Jay Crowder wasn't there next to Schroeder, uh, Schroeder would have gotten injured. That play was more uh, dangerous than Whereas that. Jokic yeah. just had a little bit of an angry fa- an angry demeanor on his face um, <laughs> and, and went to sl- really went to slap at a ball just as a regular intentional foul to stop a fast break. And instead, he caught him with his big old arms. In he caught Cameron Payne in the face with, I think, his elbow. I guess some part of his forearm, uh, kind of in a collateral, not not actually trying to hit him in the face. And that was ruled a flagrant with a flagrant two, which is an automatic ejection. I just don't think you can do that with the league MVP on his home court in a game four in an elimination game for his team. It, it, I don't agree with that call. Maybe the officials thought he was the uh, most violent player, and therefore they were going to hand out some discipline based on his, his award that he won. I mean, if that if that's what MVP stood for, uh, we'd have some different awards. Maybe he wouldn't have been the first MVP picked in the second round before. Um, but, yeah, and he has some, a lot of Detroit Pistons who won MVPs in the bad boy years. Yeah, I, I, was, Lambert, about to, I was about Rick to mention Mahorn. that. Uh, yeah, but I don't know. What, what do you think about the call? Uh, well, I think, first of all, I think the, uh, from the official's explanation, they did mention that he wound up like this wind-up. And I've seen that called on other games where the foul doesn't look that bad, but because somebody winds up to do it, maybe even LeBron got called for one. No, he didn't get ejected. But that's what the official said. The other thing is, um, he said the reason why he did that was because he wanted to change like the mental nature, the, 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 the atmosphere or something. There's other ways to do that. You cannot get yourself kicked out of a game. You have to be smart. Well, I think that was actually... Part of what I what I what I think in that argument is he's right, and people do that all the time because I have seen multiple people in games just wrap up a guy after a rebound and just to get either to get I mean sometimes people do it to get substitutions in the game, sometimes people do do it to get a little bit of a curtain call at the end of the game. Coaches do it all the time in, in different situations. Yeah, um, people hack a what hack a whoever, whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's going back to the old days of Shaq. It, it, I mean, it could be anybody, but look. I think he was actually, I know exactly what he was trying to do, and I know what he meant by he was trying to change the scope of the game. I think what he was trying to say is they weren't going physical enough, and they weren't playing hard enough, which I got the sense of too. And I think he was trying to prove, hey, look, even if you have no chance, go after the rebound. Yeah. And he did it a little too hard. Uh, and I think, but I think part of the thing is if that call has something to do with intent, then was the intent just the fact that he was angry on his face, which is kind of not really that much of intent because I could see a lot of other guys who are angry all the time. If that's anger, if that's anger, if anger means intent, then Russell Westbrook should get a flagrant two every single time he gets called for a charge because he's always angry driving to the hole. But I, I just don't, I just don't really get how that warrants a flagrant two, especially in that situation. I definitely think it was a flagrant, but I don't know about flagrant two or an ejection. And frankly, Maybe they could find a way to make a flagrant two that's still elevated from a flagrant one, but without an without automatic an ejection, ejection yeah. and then have the ejection as an added-on thing, kind of like the targeting rule in uh, in in college football that you could say, where you have a personal foul, then you have targeting where they can review for an ejection or not, which I don't know if they could do something like that, but I think it would be an interesting change because 
sometimes these flagrant twos by the book are flagrant two, but it feels like it's wrong to eject somebody yeah. for something like what Jokic did. The only good news is I don't think it changed the outcome of the series. It was unfortunate for that game, but I don't think it changed the outcome of the series. So. I do think Denver could... If, if Phoenix, in a perfect world where Phoenix played the exact same that they did in the fourth quarter, if Denver had Jokic on the floor, I think they would have won game four. Although I still, although I agree with you in terms of the series, they're not coming back down from 3-0. They were going to lose eventually. But I think it could have at least extended it for a little bit and maybe added to the allure of his MVP season a little bit, which you always like to see for an MVP to have a good, a good postseason. Yeah, well, so we know Phoenix is going to the Western Conference Finals. The question is, will they have home court advantage if the Clippers can make a comeback against the Jazz? Or will they be starting the series at Utah with the uh, number one versus number two seeds in the Western Conference Finals? And in the overall NBA, actually. That's true. We will, we, we will uh, know that answer in our next podcast. We're not quite to wrapping this podcast up, though, because Patrick has uh, an important announcement regarding a 4th and 24 content enhancement. Patrick, what do you have planned? Well, uh, we've been noticing that uh, the the, uh, the standard recap format and insights format and analysis that we've been doing, it, it fits within the 30-minute to 40-minute frame very, very well. But we've, we've been talking about some other ideas and some other things that we like to do that, that maybe don't fit in the 30- to 40-minute window and thus don't really have a place on the podcast. So instead... I will be live streaming any of those uh, topics that we discuss uh, on my Twitch channel, Fourth and Twenty Four. Uh, you can look it up on Twitch. Uh, and look, we—I'll have it linked on my website too, uh, and I'll post uh, post on Instagram that has a link to it. And I will be posting it on my Twitter, my Facebook, my Instagram every single time that I go live, so people will know. Uh, and look, we're we're going to be talking about all kinds of things. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, get, so let's give an example. Cause oftentimes, I mean, we, as people who listen to this podcast can probably tell, we like to talk about sports, um, and we do it all the time. And so as an example, it's a question. I, I think I know the answer. I am a lawyer by training. Every good lawyer only asks questions. He thinks he knows the answer to, um, is, is the type of content you're going to be streaming is, you know, something happens on a Tuesday that's worth commenting on. Very interesting. Um, and, and there, and it's timely and maybe isn't worthy of a full segment, but is a little bit of insightfulness or maybe a little humor. Tell me, tell me what types of things we're going to get on the live stream. Uh, there are going to be all, all kinds of things. Uh, we're, we're trying to figure out maybe even, uh, I would say if possible, we could do this for the NBA finals, but it might be pretty hard to do uh, because of broadcasting stuff, broadcasting rights stuff and rebroadcasting uh, things. But I would like to watch to do a little bit of a watch. I mean, we comment on games as we're, as we're on the podcast, so why not do it live? Because uh, I can't I, be censored live. Okay, that's true. Um, <laughs> but I'd like to do some of that. That's possible. That's a possible thing. It'd be it'd be hard to figure out what exactly you can and can't do because the the one thing you definitely can't do is rebroadcast uh, NBA games or really or NBA anybody's games. games. Um, yeah, but. There, so it, it's possible that we could just have a little score thing up and then talk about what's going on uh, and just comment over it. That's one thing that we could do. Uh, uh, but my main ideas are things like uh, player rankings and position rankings, and maybe even on days that I'm doing my power rankings, I can make them a little more specific and explain rationale behind them. Well, that's good. Rather than just only rank things um, and just kind of have them as a blank wall without any mindset put into it at all. Uh, but yeah, I think I'll be doing a lot of stuff like that. Might even go into the weekend predictions and do the same thing there. For example, how about, uh, not timely now, but 
um, NCAA tournament bracket gets announced. Right. And commentary, running commentary about the bracket, the seeding, right. who's left out, what it's, what's the initial bracket, who, what region's harder than others, things like that. Right, as Which, opposed to us just covering 30 seconds of who's the team that should have been in that wasn't. I talked yeah. about all the six or seven teams that could have had a chance. But yeah, generally that's what it's going to be. Anything that that feels like we we maybe plant the seed of of a conversation on the podcast, but can't really go into because it just really is a longer conversation, um, is, is definitely stuff we'll be going into. And I'm just going to plan to make it fun. I mean, sometimes uh, one of the other ideas that I have is even things like simulations. Like, for example, what if James Harden wasn't traded to Brooklyn and instead it was to Philadelphia? And even going into NBA 2K to do that as an effective simulator for that. Uh, I'm definitely going to be playing games on there too. Definitely sports games. But um, yeah, and just talking about that kind of stuff and doing simulations, all kinds of stuff. But How about uh, whenever Angel Hernandez is behind the plate in a Major League Baseball game, you can live stream how many counts, uh, how many ball strike calls he gets wrong? Well, I think that would not necessarily be the most interesting to watch without being able to actually watch the games along. But I, I, see, what you're, I see what you're trying to Maybe do. Maybe after but... the game you just have a chart. You can you you could say hey here's how many balls and strikes this idiot missed. You know I, I would actually not that is, I have anything against him he's just a terrible umpire. Of course, um, but you know I actually that is one of the that is one of the one of the stream ideas that's in the back of my mind uh, is going over umpires because there are actually really good charting services that chart how good an umpire is game by game and it's it's interesting to note who they might be. I remember reading a story about an umpire who was a rookie two years ago who is way better than umpires, i.e. Joe West, who have been umpiring for the longest in MLB history, and somehow in two years he's better than the guy who's done it for 5,000-some-odd games, which is a little ironic. Uh, but I think I can do, I'm going to do all kinds of things. Um, it'll be different every single time. Uh, but yeah, definitely going to do maybe even player-by-player pl- player, uh, position rankings because I feel like we talk about the guys who we respect a lot on this podcast, but... We don't exactly know where exactly in my head I have LeBron and AD in relation to Giannis and Kevin Durant. And I think all that kind of stuff, even maybe some GOAT debates between us, it might be interesting. So, uh, yeah, any of that kind of stuff is going to be on there. So where, when you say on there, where can people find the content again before we wrap this up? You can find it on Twitch. If you search up the name 4th and 24, it'll come up. It is also twitch.tv slash 4th and 24 with no spaces in that link at all. Twitch.tv slash fourth and twenty four. I gotta start remembering some new handles for the end of the podcast because that wraps this And edition. again, it will be also linked on my website too. So there will be there there's gonna be a direct link to it on the uh, top right corner of my website. Okay, well that wraps this edition of the fourth and twenty four podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, which will be on Friday, June eighteenth, where we will talk about major league baseball and other significant events in the world of sports. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including tomorrow's NBA Power Rankings update. You still doing that during the playoffs? Yep. Okay. Well, I think certain people are probably locked in, and then it's just about all at the top, right? Uh, his picks for next weekend's games. Still still relevant to see where, where my mind is at in terms of the title, though. That's true. right now, I would say last week, I, I think the Nets have been my number one for four or five weeks, and that's about to change. <laughs> all right. Well, and the injury, injury update there. And his picks for uh, his Major League Baseball Power Rankings updates which are posted on Saturdays. And again, you'll also find the links to the new uh, streaming content feature. All of that on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number four, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.